Wonderful John and Ruth, thank you so much. It's wonderful to be back with you. It's my job to share uh, the Word of God with you today and my joy to do that as well. And you've been doing a series, I think, on called Stand. And I want to sort of uh, broadly carry on that theme in terms of the idea of standing together and encouraging one another. And weirdly, I'm going to read from exactly the same passage that John read from at the beginning of the service. He didn't know what I was speaking on. I didn't know he was going to do that. I don't know if that was spontaneous. But I'm going to go back to Acts 16. So if you, I know it'll probably come up on the screen for you, but if you've got a Bible with you, either on your phone or your tablet or one with pages, why don't you like look it up now with me? So it's the book of Acts chapter 16. And I'm going to read from verse 22 if you want to find that. Now, I'm just, John, I'm just looking at that clock. That, that, is that my timer or not? Is that, do I ignore that? Do ignore. So you need to tell me what time I need to fit. About 12? Right. Okay, I spent far too much talking about sausage dogs. Um, I've pinched time from the sermon. Right, let's jump into this. As long as I know which clock I'm looking at, because uh, that 35 hadn't moved, and I'm thinking, come on, the 35 hasn't moved. Uh, this is great, which is bad for you, great for me uh, in that. Now, before we read the passage, let me just set the scene for you because then we can jump straight in. It's about a man called Paul and his friend Silas and probably a few other people involved at this as well. And they've crossed over into Philippi and began to proclaim the gospel in what, what we would call today modern Europe. And they see amazing results. A woman called Lydia becomes the first recorded convert in Europe. Uh, a, a, a lady business uh, woman, and she is a seller of purple, probably very wealthy. And when the Lord opens her heart to receive Jesus, uh, what I love about this story is Lydia immediately opens her home. The Lord opens her heart, she opens her home. And the church in Philippi, of which there's a letter in the New Testament written to that church, that church gets started in her house. How cool is that? And then Paul and Silas go around the city preaching. As they're doing that, they're followed by a young woman. And the young woman, through sort of demonic activity, is able to like tell fortunes. And as a result of that, she's making a lot of money for the business people in the community. So she's a slave, really. And she's being abused, really, by these business leaders. And so they're making a lot of money off this young woman. After a couple of days of engagement with this young woman, Paul ends up casting the demon out of this young woman, sets her free. But as a result of that, she can't do her business anymore. And the business community are furious. And all hell essentially breaks loose against Paul and Silas. And they end up being thrown into prison. So that's where we pick up the story, all right? So here we go, verse 22. Let's jump in. We'll read to the end of the chapter, and then we'll get straight to it. It says this, The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. Wow. After they were severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, this is a bit that John read to us, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, 
and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked them, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, you, and you will be saved, you and your household. Wow. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can go. Go in peace. But Paul said to the officers, they beat us publicly without trial, even though we are Roman citizens and they threw us into prison and now they want to get rid of us quietly. No, let them come themselves and escort us out. You got to love Paul, right? The officers reported this to the magistrates, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them out of the prison, requesting them to leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. Wow. Amazing, amazing story. A lot going on in that incredible story. A few years ago... um, In the church that I was leading, uh, there was a beautiful, beautiful lady who had become a radical follower of Jesus after encountering Jesus in the most amazing way. And through the death of her mother, strangely, um, a woman that I had sort of prayed for on her deathbed, this lady and her sister were so impacted by the deathbed experience that they became followers of Jesus. It was an amazing moment. As I prayed for this lady who was dying, the presence of God filled the room. A bit like what we experience today. And like you could literally, tangibly feel something, something in the room. Now, I understood that as the presence of God. They were just a bit freaked out by that. But it was so amazing to them that a few months after, uh, actually a few weeks after this experience, both of them came to our church and surrendered to Jesus. It was amazing. From a completely unchurched background, Now, this lady was radically transformed, but her husband was not happy. He was furious. In fact, he thought his wife had joined some sort of cult because she had changed so radically. And let's just put it this way. I wasn't on his Christmas card list after that experience. Tragically and sadly, uh, this lady uh, contracted cancer and she was dying. And uh, she was up in hospital, Pontefract Hospital, near where we lived and worked. And uh, her her sister and her best friend, who were also part of our church, said, Pastor, uh, this lady would love to come. You, you, You come and visit her. Now, the problem was her husband didn't want me to go. And so I said, look, I'd love to visit her. I want to visit her. The last thing I want is a war in the hospital ward. And I I don't want this lady getting into trouble. She said, Pastor, if we organize it for you to come when he's not around, will you come? And I said, yes, okay, I agree to that. Let's do that. And so a visit was organized so that I would go when he wasn't around. And it was like, like, we had to time this perfectly. And it was like, James Bond operation. You're sort of in, do the thing, and then go out. I'll never forget it till the day I die. I walked into the little ward. There were six beds on the ward, three beds on this side. So I'm walking in the door here, three beds there, and three beds facing. There was a lady, an older lady, probably a lady in her 70s or 80s, lying on the bed straight in front of me. And then this lady, our lady, was right in the corner 
of on this side. So I had to sort of walk into the ward and we went into the corner. Now, because we had the ward to ourselves, more or less, we sort of had a mini Pentecostal service really going on in that, in that moment. And it was gorgeous. It was beautiful. We sang her favorite songs together. We read her favorite bits of the Bible. We prayed together. And then as it came towards the end of the, sur- the, the, the visit, we're all watching the clock carefully. We hugged each other and blessed each other. I remember uh, the last thing I did was, the lady's name was Christine. The last thing I did was kiss Christine. I said, Christine, if I don't see you soon, I'll see you in heaven. And, and we were all, everyone was blubbering and crying. And it was a gorgeous, gorgeous moment. And there was just a, a beautiful sense of God in the place. And I'm sort of then walking from the bed towards the door, trying to compose myself because, you know, we've all been blubbering and crying. And as I get to the door, the old lady speaks. So she's been watching this whole thing. And she says to me, young man, can I have a kiss? <laughs> and I looked at her and I said, of course you can, darling. You can have a kiss. And I walked over to her and I went to lean over. I'd never met this lady before. Didn't know who she was. And, you know, you know, it's an awkward moment. And I leaned over this lady and went to kiss her. And as I leaned over her, she grabbed me, like proper grabbed me. And she grabbed me so hard that I was literally falling over the bed. And if I hadn't put my hand down on the bed, We'd have had an awkward Instagram moment right there in the hospital ward. Pastor on top of old woman in the hospital ward. That's what it, and I'm literally having to like put my hand down to stop myself from falling on top of this lady. And I kissed her and she properly kissed me back. Like proper kissed. And she held on to me for ages. And I, I knew something was going on. And she let me go. And I said, are you okay, darling? And she said to me, young man, thank you so much. I haven't been kissed in a long time. And, and I, I, I was so touched by that. I haven't been kissed in a long time. And something struck me and impacted me at that moment. What was normal to us, what we were doing in that corner was normal for us. That's what we did at our church. That's what we did together. Encouraged one another, blessed one another, loved on one another, hugged each other, kissed each other. You know, all all appropriate stuff. You understand, right? In the context of a Christian community, what she was watching in that corner was what we normally did. Uh, And she saw something that caused her to say, I'd like a little bit of that. Could I I have that? And, and, And she confessed to me that she hadn't been kissed in such a long time. And as I walked out the corridor, now sort of blubbering again because of the old woman, as I walked away, I suddenly realized what's normal to us is not normal for everybody. That actually she saw a little glimpse of the community that we believed in. This amazing story that we've just read, there's a conclusion to the story that is truly awesome. But it gets missed. And it gets missed because of all the cool stuff that happens before. So the stuff that everybody looks at in the story is Paul and Silas singing hymns and praying to God. Wow. Earthquakes, prison doors opening, the jailer getting baptized, his house getting baptized, and all the amazing stuff. And then Paul and Silas eventually getting released at prison. The bit that we don't often pay attention to is the very last verse. It's almost a little postscript on the story. 
And the very last verse says these amazing words. Let me remind you of them. Uh, Verse 40. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. Love this. Now, Dr. Luke does something. When, when Dr. Luke let, writes this verse in his own language, we, we've got this helpfully translated into our language. When Dr. Luke writes this in his own language, it does, does something really clever. He begins and ends the verse in a, a, exactly the same word. So if you, if you read it in Dr. Luke's language, it would read something like this. And having departed from the prison, and having departed, he went to the house of Lydia where he encouraged the brothers and sisters, and then he departed. See, if you looked at the verse, you get the word depart at the beginning and depart at the end. And I think Dr. Luke's doing something really clever here in the whole of the passage. He's sort of showing us that Paul and Silas have departed from the prison, and then they're departing from the house. But what's similar in both examples is Paul and Silas have left the prison and the house better than they found it. So there's a departing from the prison, but wow, the prison is a better place after they've been. (laughs) Now, they didn't expect any of that to happen, of course. They're they're, they're just going through that process. But then when they go to the house of Lydia, they encourage the brothers and sisters, and then they depart. And before they leave the city, before they leave Philippi, they want to make sure that we have encouraged the brothers and sisters before we go. And the word for encourage there is gorgeous. It literally can translate to call to the side of. It's a beautiful word. In fact, it's a word connected to how we sometimes describe the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who comes to the side of us. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. And that's the same sort of root word that's used. That Paul and Silas, they've just spent the night in prison. They've been stripped and beaten. They've had a really, really hard time. They've had a whole night of it in the prison. But before they leave the city, they want to make sure they find the Christian community and they encourage them before they go. And I think that is marvelous. It's absolutely amazing. Imagine, imagine if our ambition today was to leave places better than we found them. Now, you may, like Paul and Silas, have turned up today with some needs yourself. A few bruises, a few scratches. I mean, Paul and Silas, at the heart of this story, have been beaten and stripped and flogged. I mean, my goodness. And, and the jailer has tended to their wounds. And, and actually, Paul and Silas could have turned up to the house of Lydia and say, hey, any chance you, you boys and girls could minister to us and help us? And everyone, if, if the story had ended like that, we would have all gone, yeah, we get that. These guys have been at it all night. They've, been, they've gone through a, a bit of a, an experience. Uh, yeah, come in here, Paul. Come in here, Silas, and let us bless you. But that's not what it says. It says that the two people who've just done the whole night in prison and been beaten up in the process are the ones doing the encouragement. Come on. Come on now. Come on now. Now imagine, imagine if every Christian in this town, if every Christian in my town uh, actually went to church today, 
even, even though they've got their own bruises and their own challenges and their own hardships and maybe had a hard night, literally, or metaphorically, but imagine if every one of us came through the doors of the church with this attitude. Today, I'm going to encourage somebody else. It's just a thought. Yeah, but what about my bruises? I get that. And, and we've had a wonderful time of praying for one another and ministering. And this church is here to encourage you with your bruises and encourage you in, in your moments of difficulty and trial. And we're all carrying, everyone in this room, including me, we're all carrying something. There's something going on in our world that could preoccupy us when we come into a place like this. Is that, is that fair? So we're not denying that. We're not saying you can't be ministered to or have something from the Lord in that. Of course not. That's what we've been doing today. But imagine even if that was the case, me and you made a decision, even if I don't get something today, I'm going to make sure somebody gets something from me. Come on now. Come on. And so we've come expecting from the Lord, and why not? Because he wants us to come expecting. But imagine if we showed up and going, right, whatever happens to me, I, I'm going to bless somebody today. I'm going to give something to somebody today. I'm going to help someone today. I'm going to encourage someone today. And that's why I love the power of this, because it's easy to miss this last little moment. It's almost an afterthought, and yet it's a dynamic, awesome climax to a brilliant story. Not only have we seen God move supernaturally in the prison to save the prisoner, uh, the prison warder and his family, but now we see Paul and Silas probably still limping, probably a few aches and pains, probably some scars on their back that although they've been washed and ministered to, they're probably still chafing on their coats and they're sort of moving gingerly towards the house of Lydia, but they're going to encourage the brothers and sisters. Wow. Wow. That's worth a wow, isn't it? It really is. That's amazing. Amazing. And I love this idea that today, me and you can be encouragers before we leave. And I love this. I love this thought of standing. That, that one of the things the Bible teaches us is that we don't have to stand alone. Now, sometimes people, and I've been in ministry a million years or so, sometimes people make a choice to stand alone, and that's up to them. And there's not much I can do about that if someone wants to stand alone. Now, if they're standing alone because that's what they want, then that's their problem. And, and it's hard to minister to that, so we want to try and bless. But if they want to stand alone, that's difficult. But if they're standing alone because we don't care, oh, that's our problem. And one of my ambitions in a community like this, the community that I'm a part of in Scunthorpe, is that no one should be standing alone. As a Liverpool supporter, that's really important to me because you'll never walk alone. All right? But, but, but you know what I mean? I, I, that would be heartbreaking for me if someone was standing alone and we didn't know. Now, if it's their choice, that's another conversation. But if they're standing alone because we've missed it, because we're not paying attention, oh. And I want to be an encourager. I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage my family every day. We have a little family WhatsApp, and the rule is it has to be encouraging. 
And we speak, now there's enough bad stuff out there. We'll talk about the bad stuff face to face. But actually, the WhatsApp is about building each other up and encouraging each other and speaking good words to each other. And there's enough misery out there to keep us all miserable for forever. So our WhatsApp is about blessing each other. It was lovely, like our, our, our family WhatsApp this morning. Have a great day in church today. Our, both my daughters, one's preaching today, one's leading uh, worship today. My wife is ministering today. Everyone, have a great day. Come on, get out there and do it. And what wonderful words of encouragement to be able to do that. And it's such a simple thing, but such a powerful thing. Imagine if every one of us today made sure that we have deposited encouragement to somebody before they go. It means we've left this place better than we found it. It was pretty good when, when we came. Right? Now, how do we do that? I'm watching the clock carefully because I know we've got other things to do, but how do we do that? Dead simple. Two, two ways we bring encouragement. And, and th- this is not deep. This is just really, really simple, but so powerful. Number one, by the words we say. Words, your words are incredibly powerful. Even the words you don't say, that you should have said, I'm waiting for an amen. Sorry, I was just waiting for something there. I was hoping for a word, uh, but you didn't, get, you didn't get the joke. Okay, let's, let's keep moving on. What you say is incredibly powerful. Listen to the words of Solomon. He says this, Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Now, I don't need to be a prophet or the son of a prophet to know that every person in this room has experienced a reckless sword. Anyone manage to live without experiencing the piercing of a reckless sword? Please put your hand up because we want to move to your postcode. We want to move into your house and live with you. All right? You, You only have to be on the planet five minutes to have experienced the recklessness of the sword. Is that fair? And all of you, including me, we've all got stories, right? But here's what Solomon is saying. When it comes to the tongue, you can decide which tongue you want. And today, you can make a choice to either have the tongue that is reckless, out of control, and therefore pierces people, or you can have the tongue of the wise that brings healing. There's a gorgeous statement on your wall, and it says, love speaks louder. Yeah. Love speaks. And, and here's what I've learned, ladies and gentlemen, that my words are a choice. I can either choose to bring healing to you today, or I can choose to sort of let my tongue cut loose and just like go to where it shouldn't go. And that's not very hard for me. It's not very hard for me as a broken human to allow my tongue to run wild. But I don't want to live there. I don't, I don't want my world to be lashed with that tongue. I don't want my world to be pierced unduly with that tongue. I want, I want my tongue to bring healing. And that's a conscious, intentional decision that we are going to do something encouraging for people. Now, I'm not asking you to lie. I'm not asking you to say things that aren't true to people. I'm not asking you to make stuff up because that's not helpful either, right? But I am asking you to be conscious of the way you speak to the world around you, especially this world. So let's practice here. If it's difficult with your next door neighbor or difficult with the person you're working with, well, let's at least practice good tongue here. 
Amen? Let's practice it here, even if it's difficult out there. But, but making sure I am speaking with the tongue of, of, of the wise. Amen? Are you with me? I, 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 was, I flew to Singapore last year, and, uh, and it's a 14-hour flight, London to Singapore. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm being served by these wonderful people, Singapore Airlines flight, these wonderful men and women looking after our cabin. And travelers can be a bit grumpy, can't they? I know you're not grumpy when you travel, uh, but I've seen a lot of grumpy people over the years uh, treat the cabin staff not very nice. And these boys and girls are working their buns off and over a 14-hour flight to look after us. As we're approaching Singapore, I, I called one of the cabin attendants who was looking after our little section, and I said to the lady, can I just say this? You've been brilliant today. You've been absolutely fabulous. And she said to me, well, it's our job. I said, I know it's your job. But you were brill. You did your job really well. Every time you served me, you smiled. Everything I asked for in terms of what was available, you gave it to me. And she even there was a little mistake in something I'd asked for, and they immediately corrected and apologized. They were absolutely wonderful. And I saw them all, you know, running around looking after people and taking care of them. And I, and I said to her, I just want to say to you, you've been amazing. Thank you so much. And she, she said, oh, thank you, that's really, really beautiful. She went off, I thought, that's that. And then she came back to me five minutes later with a card. A handmade card. And the handmade card says, dear Dr. Andrews, thank you. And there's a little picture of her there. She's drawn a little picture of herself. Now get this, she thanked me for thanking her. Now, what does that teach you? A boom. Exactly. What that teaches you is that doesn't happen very often. You know that invisible checkout girl, Asda? Beep. 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 That only people notice when the order goes wrong. Right? That's a human. That's a daughter. That's a wife. That's a woman. That's a person. Stop treating her like a thing. Speak to her like a human. Come on now. That kid who'd served you in a restaurant, that's somebody's son. That could be your son or grandson. Treat them like humans. Speak to them properly. And actually, it's such a simple thing to be able to do. And we take it for granted because we assume somebody is saying nice things to that girl. And she makes me a card which reminds me maybe of the 300 people on the flight. I was one of the few people that said, you know what? That was amazing. Thank you. Now, I, I love what you did for John today. And, and I was really touched by all of that because that, that's the spirit of this. All right? I don't want to embarrass anybody, but that's the spirit of this. Now, you know, it, it's not always, we can't always do these things for everybody, but it's that spirit. We want people to be touched with the power of our words. That We want them to be encouraged with words that we say to them. Amen? On that same trip in Singapore, I was preaching at a 10,000-member church. So to preach at that 10,000-member church, you have to do four or five services back-to-back. So I'm in the middle of three Sunday services back-to-back, 2,000 people per service. And when you finish one service, they sort of, like the, the bodyguards come and sort of rush you out to the green room. 
because you've got to get a rest, have a drink, catch your breath, and back in to do another 2,000 people. It's just amazing. Like it's, I, it's not, I, I like hanging around, right? So I'm being rushed out, and I don't really want to rush out. Anyway, they're, they're rushing me down the corridor to have a break. And as I'm going down the corridor, an old woman steps I have a thing for old women. They just love me. Um, and an old woman sort of stepped out in front of the procession sort of thing. I just said, Pastor, Pastor, your sermon was fabulous. I said, thank you. She said, no, seriously, it was great. Thank you. And she's like, just waxing lyrical at my sermon. So I was just so blessed by this lady. I stopped and she's going for it. And there's a wee boy standing beside her. I assume was maybe her grandson, but I don't know. And he looks like about eight years old or something. And so she's going for it with me. And me and her are having this great chat. And my bodyguards are getting a bit edgy. Come on, we've got to get to the green room. And people are gathering around. I said, thank you. Thank you so much for your blessing. And as I'm about to leave, the wee boy looks at me and he said, you are so handsome. (laughs) Now I'm 57 and in my 57 years, I've been called a lot of things. And handsome isn't normally in the top five, as you can tell. I have a great face for radio. Okay, uh, so, so, and this little boy just went, you're so handsome. And I said to him, I didn't care if he was eight years old. I, I, was, I was in, I was in. I said, do you really think so? He said, yeah, I really do. He said, you're really handsome. I went, bless you. You're a good boy. Thank you. And we had this great conversation, and I walked off. I spent a month in Singapore, spoke to thousands of people. That's the one person I remember. Isn't that weird? That's weird. Why? Because when someone steps out and brings healing with their tongue, you remember. It makes a difference to your world. And we can do that. Paul and Silas do that to the brothers and sisters in Lydia's house. Now, the time's more or less gone. Let me just finish with this last we thought, and we are done. Not only can you encourage people with your words, but of course you can encourage them like you've done today for John. You can encourage with your actions. Sometimes we know this is true. It's not Strictly in the Bible, this, but it sort of is in terms of a nuance. But this is a statement, it's not in the Bible, that actions speak louder than words. That's strictly not in the Bible, but you and I know that sort of is, right? And sometimes actions are louder. They speak louder than just even our words. We do something for somebody, and it's what they need. It. My, my mom, who's now in heaven, she passed away. In fact, last weekend was, her, was the fourth anniversary of her passing. And miss her very, very much. My wee mommy, she was only four foot 11. And my dad was five foot four. And I'm six foot one. So I, I don't really know what happened there. Uh, I, I didn't ask any questions ever. But they told me they loved me and that I wasn't adopted. So, so I, I sort of received that. So my wee mommy, four foot 11, every time I hugged her, she was sort of nestling into my navel. Um, that's the sort of level of proportion. And my mom said this to us. I remember drilling this into us as children. She said, do not save your flowers for the funeral. That's a good word, isn't it? I mean, that could be in the Bible, couldn't it? If the Lord came to me and said, do you want something extra in the Bible? That's in. I would put that in. Don't save your flowers for the funeral. Now, now listen, I, you know, don't, don't hear me wrong. But when my mother passed away, we didn't buy her any flowers. Because we bought her her flowers when she was alive, when she could smell them and see them. In truth, if I bought my mum flowers at her funeral, they're sort of for me, aren't they? Now that's okay, that's all right. But they're not really for her because she can't enjoy them. My mum was saying, look, don't wait 
till you haven't got the opportunity. Do it while you've got the opportunity. It's such a simple idea, and it's such a brilliant idea. And your bunch of flowers today, literally or metaphorically, could change somebody's world. It could be a touch. It could be a word. But even where there's not a word, it can be an action. And it doesn't have to be an expensive action or a difficult action or a wild action. It's just an action. I mean, I was really touched watching that video today. It's such a thoughtful, beautiful thing to do. And, and I can't speak for John, but if I was John sitting there, I'd go, wow, that's, that's really, it's like, it's not just, oh, here's, here's a box of chocolates. And we've kept the receipt in case you don't like the chocolates. But you've actually gone out of your way to buy something that probably really, really means something. And he really, really wants. And he really wants that husky but I'm not sure he's going to get it. But there we are. Maybe there's a surprise waiting. Who knows? No pressure from Ruth, but there we are. Now listen, your actions today, simple actions could save somebody's life. Your action today could change somebody's world. This week I was speaking to a young man. Not a Jesus follower. Going through a rough time, broke up in a steady relationship, a person he was living with. The relationship broke up, and because of that, then he's sofa surfing. This kid's, he's got a new bed set he's going to move into this week, but between having to leave the home he was living in with his partner and, and getting his new bed set, he's sofa surfing. This kid's got a good job, but he's literally grabbing somebody's sofa, and if their girlfriend turns up or their friend, he has to leave. And he, I talked to him last week, and he was literally walking the streets at six in the morning, waiting for his job to start because he didn't know where to go. And I'm talking to him this week, and he's updating me. Yeah, get my bed set Monday. It's all going to be good. I said, so what, what, what's happening right now? He said, well, I'm still sofa surfing, but it's cool. I'm all right. He's a very, you know, he's a very innovative boy, and he's, he's working hard. And I, I put the phone down to him and I thought, that's not right. <laughs> and the Lord said to me, what are you going to do? I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, book him into a hotel. And of course, I don't know if you're like me. You're probably not because you're probably more generous than I am. But you go, hold on a minute, it's a lot of money. You're sort of sort of immediately, well, hold on a minute, what will that cost? And it was like I felt the rebuke of the Holy Spirit. Just book the boy into the hotel. He's not a Christian. I go to my church. He's not. Okay, so I, 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 I WhatsApped him and just double chat. Are you, are, you, are you working over the way? So he gave me the details. I said, okay. So I went online. I knew a hotel close to where he worked. And I booked him in for the weekend. Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. Breakfast included. There's your... And I WhatsApped him. I said, book your hotel. And in the response, he said to me, what would you do that for? <laughs> I said, because I love you. I don't want you walking the streets at six o'clock in the morning. I'd like you to get to work after having a shower. And have some food in your belly whatever else is going on. And he spoke to someone who's a mutual friend. And he said to this mutual friend who reported this back to me, he said, that's like blowing me away. Why would, why would he do that? 
Why would he put himself out like that for me? And my friend, our mutual friend, said, well, it's because he loves you, wants to help you. Now, flowers, three nights in a hotel, I know there's a wee bit of a price difference there, but the point is, he understands there's somebody standing with him. There's somebody cares for him. Somebody's thinking about him. Somebody's interested. Now, here's, here's the lovely thing. I'd love you to pray for this. I'm, I, I, won't, I can't tell you any details. But that young man is meeting with the pastor of one of the churches of that, that city on Tuesday. I had known that. And, and, you, and you sort of go, well, ooh, wouldn't it be interesting if a couple of nights in a hotel opened his heart to a conversation about Jesus. Are you, are you with me? Now, I'm not saying you can do that. I'm not saying you should do that. I'm just saying, wouldn't it be cool to live in a world where people do that sort of stuff? Like, just to know people who do stuff like that, just to be around people who do stuff like that, just to experience stuff like that where you go, my goodness, somebody somewhere really wants me to win. And we want you to win. This church wants you to win. This is part of of the reason for our conversation on, on learning to stand, standing in the Lord, standing in worship, standing in the battle. But, you know, one of the ways we can really help each other to stand is just help each other. And I know there's a limit to what we can do physically and materially and socially. I accept, listen, don't, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. There's always limits to what we can do, but all of us can use our tongue if we want to. And all of us could do something for somebody that says to them, you are seen, you are loved, you are not alone. And that just might be enough. Now, listen, last we thought we're done. If you can't do that with your neighbor, or that's a struggle with the friend at work, practice here. Practice with us. Practice with each other. Not in a sort of an incestuous, weird way, but practice in a genuine, authentic, generous way. To look at brothers and sisters and and make sure nobody goes home today without encouraging them. Now, when we say amen, if people rush out the door and don't give us a chance, that's a different conversation, and that's okay. But if we get the chance with our words and with our actions, we say, let me encourage you. And that's why I love verse 40. I think verse 40 rocks in that story. They leave the prison better. Wow. What an amazing moment. But they go to the house of Lydia. And imagine, imagine being believers there, having Paul and Silas knock your door and say, oh, before we leave, we just had to tell you how much we love you. We just had to be here to make sure you don't worry and you're not anxious. We just had to let you know everything is okay. Imagine, imagine. You'd never forget that day. And when later on Paul writes to that church, a beautiful letter, and he says things like, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, you're going to listen, right? 
When he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Jesus, you're going to listen. Right? When he says, encourage one another, you're going to listen. When he says, build each other up in Christ, you're, you're going to listen. Why? Because you remember the day Paul and Silas rocked up. And so before we leave, we just needed you to know we love you. Amen? Amen. Today, be intentional about letting your tongue bring healing. Your word today could save somebody's life. But for some of you, there may even be a bunch of flowers in the oven or something like it that literally says to someone, you are not alone. We love you. No strings attached. We love you. And we want to bless you. Amen? Amen. Will, will you bless you? Will you stand with me if you can? Let me pray for you. I've so enjoyed being with you. It's been wonderful. I'm so sorry. I've run nine minutes over time. So please forgive me. Please forgive me. I know people have got families and things to do. Places to be. We have been encouraged this morning in our worship to open up our hearts to the Lord and invite him. I love that illustration that John Brown is dropping that, that sweet into the Coke and just saying, Lord, we are here to invite you to do what only you can do. And we believe and are continuing to believe that the Lord is doing that. But the second little part of it is now, as people who have been blessed, we want to be a blessing. And I'm not minimizing your bruises, your pain, your challenges. Please, please don't hear that. We are all carrying something. But it is possible, according to Acts 16, to be walking uncomfortably, recovering from scars and bruises, and still be an encourager to others through our words and our deeds. So, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters today. First of all, Lord, I want to thank you that I feel encouraged today. I've been encouraged by the sense of your presence in this room, Lord. I've been encouraged by the opportunity to worship with my brothers and sisters. I've even been encouraged, Lord, by conversations that we've had before and even during this service. Lord, I've been touched and encouraged by even the lovely gift to John for his birthday. Lord, I've been encouraged even by a cup of coffee given in your name. But Lord Jesus, we want to be men and women who are encouragers of others. Lord, will you help us? Will you help us today to be intentional with our words? Will you help us today, Lord, to be men and women that have the tongue of the wise? Tongue that can bring healing? Lord, would you give us an opportunity today? Would you give us the courage today to use our tongues in a way that brings the healing of the kingdom of God 
to our friends, to our world, to those we meet. Lord, I pray even for some of us in this room, as I've even told some of those little stories, something of your Spirit has prompted people in this room. They're thinking about their world, thinking about those around them, thinking about flowers that can be given, thinking about actions that declare to others, you are not alone. You are seen. You are loved. And I want you to be encouraged with my actions today. Lord, may we be a community of words and actions. And may in our words and actions the Holy Spirit come. May the ultimate encourager, the comforter, the parakletos, may you, Holy Spirit, be resident in our words, be resident in our actions, and be resident in a way that in our words and actions the kingdom of heaven comes and lives are enriched and transformed. Lord, I pray you bless this wonderful community. May they shine as a light in the darkness. May they be as salt to the earth. May each of them be as ambassadors carrying the glory of Jesus to a world in desperate need. And Lord, may we be a community in the midst of our own challenge, committed to encouraging one another and leaving where we are better than we find it. In Jesus' name.